Hello, hello, and welcome to Decaf, a production of the Beacon Center of Tennessee. I am Taylor here in rainy, stormy, hail was just falling on my house, Nashville, <laughs> um, while Mark is joining us from Seaside, right outside Seaside in Blue Mountain Beach, Florida on Highway 30A. I was just down there less than a month ago. It's so beautiful this time of the year. Mark, how you feeling? Are you just chilling and having a great day in paradise? Yeah, not not such a great day today. Um, work, a lot of lot of work, <laughs> a lot of work happening. Today. <laughs> a, a lot of um, a lot of kind of crisis mode at work for a new report. But I think we got to figure it out now. So it's nice, you know. It's we're very lucky we get to work remotely, um, and you know I can be able to do this for a couple of weeks, and you know I get to work outside in the screened in porch while it's you know sixty five degrees out. It's kind of perfect. I'm happy to be here, and I'm happy to be talking with you about. Our, our topics this week. Yeah, I stood up uh, while you've been working out on your screen porch. I stood up from my chair twice this morning, once to use the restroom, and the next time to use the restroom, we get a handful of shredded cheese because that's all I had time to do. So I am thankful that all of that is behind us and that we get to come and talk on decaf because decaf really is the highlight of our week. We couldn't leave our fans, our listeners in the lurch. So um, we're just glad to be here. Yeah, it's funny looking at my phone. I think I have, you know, about 30 calls between you, Ron, and Stephanie the last f- five hours trying to. So while you've been sitting down, I've been just pacing around on the phone <laughs> trying to figure out some uh, technical issues we've had with a, with an upcoming report. You know, uh, people have different responses, fight, flight, or freeze. I'm a freeze, and I was frozen to my chair until I needed a handful of shredded mm-hmm. cheese. And ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the reason we exercise is so that we can eat shredded cheese by the handful. And I will stand by that until the day that I die. Um Speaking of the report, now that our technical issues are resolved and we have it out, let's talk about our much-anticipated report about healthcare in Tennessee. So we've talked about this a few times, certificate of need. You might not be familiar with it, so I'll give you a crash course real quick. A certificate of need is basically like a permission slip from the government to open a healthcare facility, a hospital, a standalone emergency room, um, various things like that. Healthcare facilities also in the past have needed certificates of need to add more beds to a hospital, to increase their capacity. It really is, in my opinion, a racket because certificate of need laws were, it was a federal law up until the 1980s and the federal government said, wait a second, we don't need these anymore. And so they abolished them from the federal level, but there are still a few holdout states that keep certificate of need in play. And it, it limits access to health care for so many people, people who live in rural areas and a certificate of need is denied and they then have to drive to a larger metropolitan area to get access to care. It limits how many patients, hospitals, standalone ERs, whatever can deal with. We told a story once um, of Michelle Gross. If you don't remember Michelle and her daughter, Asher, who had um, very significant medical needs, they needed at-home health services and they couldn't access those because of a certificate of need in their area. And so these laws really do hinder healthcare more than I think a lot of other things that people kind of freak out about. And so we released a report today about certificate of need denials in Tennessee, did a lot of research, a lot of data collection about where certificates of need were denied in various counties across the state, how many certificate of need applications there have been in recent years. And it really highlights the simple fact, which is this certificate of need is one, unnecessary, two, cumbersome, and three, restrictive. That's how I always describe certificate of need to my friends who do not work in policy and do not know what I'm talking about. Mark, what were some of your main takeaways from this research that we released today? 
Well, I actually think in some ways that you're almost giving Certificate of Need not as bad of a name as it should have. Because look, all those things that you said are true. But the real fact of it is it costs people's lives. It literally sure. is responsible for debts. Sure. Um, there's a Mercatus study that said that reductions in mor- in uh, mortalities in heart attacks, heart failures, and pneumonia were when you got rid of certificate need laws that actually reduced that. So wow. outside of all those other things, which are all true, everything's true, you know, yeah, you might have to go an extra 20 minutes to the yard. That could be problematic. But like it literally costs people their lives. So yes. having these COA, and it's not an exaggeration and it's not some kind of like talking point. It's true. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know the exact number and it might not be a ton, but it, certificate of need has been responsible for people dying. And that's strong. And because the government is involved in, and it's not just the government. That's one other thing. It is unelected bureaucrats. Yes. It's not somebody you elect that you can say, oh, I'm not, I'm not happy. These are unelected bureaucrats. And the fact is, outside of the racket, it, it is, I mean, this is basically costing Tennesseans their lives. It and is. I'm not okay with that because it's more government interaction that needs to be. And it's just saying, you know what? You want to open a hospital? Great. You want an ER? Great. That's perfect because, you know, somebody is going to save 20 minutes to have to go to an ER, which can be the difference between life and death. Especially when you're, when you're having a heart attack, when someone with respiratory issues is having an asthma attack, 20 minutes is life or death. When someone, when a high-risk mother is in labor, 20 minutes can be the difference. In, 10 minutes can be the difference in life and death in those situations. Yep. And when I say racket, I, this is kind of what I'm talking about. So when a medical organization that wants to open a new facility has to go before the CON board, the board, the CON board is a board of their competitors. So Ron put it this way in a, in a blog post a couple years ago that made a lot of sense to me. Imagine a Chick-fil-A wants to open in your neighborhood and there are three corners, there are four corners on this street that they can open on. On one corner, there's a Popeye's, on one corner, there's a McDonald's, and on one corner, there's a Zaxby's and Chick-fil-A wants to open on the fourth corner. Chick-fil-A would have to go before a board of Popeye's, McDonald's, and Zaxby's and they could say, we don't need any more fried chicken in this area. That's the equivalent of what a certificate of need does with much higher stakes. These Medical facilities have to go before a board of their peers and competitors to prove the need in their area. I don't know about you, but if someone came to me and said, I'd like to build a cancer center here because the next closest one is 40 minutes away and I don't want unhealthy high-risk cancer patients to have to drive 40 minutes every single day to get their radiation or once a week to get chemo or whatever, I would say, build, do you want my house? Do you want to build it in my house? Like I, I would do anything to get a cancer center like that, a standalone ER, things like that. So um, it really is, certificate of need really is a racket. I would encourage everyone to go to our website, beacontn.org. Our certificate of need uh, paper will be up on our research page. You should definitely check that out um, and just read about this very unknown. It, it's shocking to me how unknown this law is because I won't mention any names, but in Alabama, when I was a little girl, uh, a hospital executive went to prison for a very long time for bribery on their certificate of need board. And so it shocks me that people don't really know what certificate of need is because it is one of the biggest rackets that we have to deal with in the states that are holdouts. And in some ways, it can kind of already be legalized bribery. Like, right? It's it's yes. a legal thing, and it's it can be legalized bribery. And it's like you don't need to. It's really tough to to say that people don't deserve healthcare, you know, options in their neighborhood because the government says no. 
Not because there's not a need for it, not because there's not a market for it. There is. There's never the people, not a need for healthcare options. I'm sorry. And, there's and, not. And, and, and there's people, and again, they're saying that they can make money and this is a good investment for them. And their competitors who are making money say, oh, no, it's not. But like, we're talking about people's lives. And it's almost a, you know, it's not a monopoly exactly, but it's kind of like a monopoly. You need is. government permission to do that. So I, I do also want to bring one other point up, which I think was, was interesting that Ron, Ron kind of looked it up and he said that most denials are in a location uh, that, Basically, it's considered underserved medically or or it disproportionately affects underserved um, groups, populations. Like populations. So yeah. the very people who need it the most are the ones where the denials are happening the most. It's not like a lot of denials are happening in the city of Nashville. There's a million choices. You're talking about small counties. There's a lot of a lot of denials in Cleveland, uh, that area, Cleveland, and it's just you. Yeah, you see these numbers. You're like, why is this happening? And and it's. It's problematic, and you know the government should not be involved in that. If a hospital, you know, or if an ER thing or whatever they want to do it and doesn't make enough money, maybe it'll close them. But they're saying there's a market for it, and it should not be up to unelected bureaucrats who have no, they can't, they don't answer to anybody, and they can just choose what they want to do, and that's people, not fair. Or people who already have a stake in the game. Yeah, competitors, competitors. or unelected. <laughs> yeah, best case scenario is unelected bureaucrats. Yeah, yeah seriously. So. so it it's a rack. Con is a huge racket, and it's costing Tennesseans lives. So if you care about those things, go check out our report and tell us what you think about it. We would love to hear if you've had an experience having to drive really far to get to a medical facility because something was denied in your area, or if you don't know if it was denied in your area and you want us to find out. Honey, we got the data. We can find we it. A, we, we got a good map. <laughs> so you can see exactly every county, how many, or, or actually every area, how many um, CON, not closures, but where the denials. CON denials there were. Yeah. So yeah. it's cool to see really good interactive map. So we will, um, you'll see that tomorrow. It's our first a little venture in data visualization. So everybody check that out and see <laughs> see what you think about that and let us know. Um, Mark, we're going to throw it back for our next topic to November. Think about November when we were up until the very middle of the night on our election show. And we started seeing results come in of Republicans losing. After President Trump, former President Trump said, if they win, Credit me. If they lose, <laughs> don't credit me. I looked yeah, it up on YouTube because I thought you were lying. Um, no, so I that. looked it up on yeah, YouTube. And I just want to ask you this, this simple question. Do you think that President Trump's influence in the GOP is waning? And if why or why not? Uh, so this really comes on the heels, too, of what we saw with the, the speaker fight over Kevin McCarthy, where there yes. was, um, you know, 20 holdouts for a while. Eventually, you know, Speaker McCarthy got the votes. But one of the interesting tidbits was uh, the, the holdouts were, were, for the most part, you know, to the to the right, you know, pretty conservative. I think they'd say more conservative than the average uh, yeah. legislators. And President Trump pl pled with them to say, hey, support Kevin McCarthy. And these are people who are, you know, very, they all love Trump. These are kind of his people. Matt and Gaetz, they didn't budge. Matt Gates nominated Trump like a bunch of times. After Trump said to vote for McCarthy, Matt Gates voted for Trump. Um, so these are the people who are like, and even, I mean, these are the people who are the most loyal to him for the most part. Mm -hmm. And th when he told them to do that, they didn't budge. They voted, you know, probably six, seven, eight more times against Kevin McCarthy after that. Um, so it makes you think is... And I'm not talking about the actual votes. I think that's a separate this thing that I don't know. But it, it the question is, what kind of pull does President Trump still have on the Republicans in Congress? Right. It's clearly not zero. I mean, it, it, it's but, clearly not but zero. It, All right. Yeah. Fair. But it's it's interesting to look at when we see what happened in the last election, which you know 
you can blame whoever you want. There's a lot of – it depends on who you do. But if you're a Republican, a lot of people are blaming um, – a lot of the Republicans say, oh, it's because of President Trump or because President Trump, whatever. And a lot of people are saying, no, no, it's not because of that. But either way, it's clear that he might not uh, – that President Trump probably doesn't have the pull with voters that he, he may have had have. at one time. I agree. Um, so the question becomes, what is his role in this party now? Yeah, he said he's running for president, right? There's – is Ryan DeSantis going to run? But – it's just these people who were so loyal to him. And basically every – the first two years he was in office, it felt like every word from every congressman and every senator was President Trump this, President Trump this, President Trump support me. And people still really want his endorsement in private. Sure. Because it's a strong endorsement. Yes. It's but, a former president. Whether, whether whether you like it or not, he's a former president. So It's a, for, a former president that's very popular among right. the right. I mean, I mean right. He's, I, the question is with everything going on, you know, and he started going after – I think some people that other conservatives like. He went after Ron DeSantis. I think he called him Ron DeSanctimonious. Um, he's, <laughs> I didn't see he, that. Yeah, he called him Ron. Yeah, and, and he kind of went after some of the, so you know, potentially uh, suspending the Constitution because he didn't like the outcome of the last election. So there's a lot of things that some conservatives are like. I don't know anymore. So I guess the answer, to the, the long answer to your question is, it does not seem like President Trump has the same pull that he had in the Republican Party. And some people have been willingly open to kind of disagree with him, which wasn't the case for a long time. People when they, fell in line for yeah, so long. That's right. That's right. And everyone's like, okay, this is, you know, his party. And it, it's interesting. I'm not, you know, I have no real opinion either way on this, but I just, it's pretty clear that he has lost some of his pull in the party. And it'll be interesting to see how much pull he still has, right? Because if we Fair. have a 2024 election with Ron DeSantis, who is pretty broadly popular among all, san- all sections of the sure. Republican Party, and certainly more popular among kind of independents and moderate Democrats than President Trump is. But it'll be interesting to see what a primary looks like and how much pull he still has on these politicians. And you know, some of the politicians would say that President Trump's the one who got them elected in the first place. Right. I mean, they would say 2016 was a was a great year for them. They, they exceed a lot of expectations. Mm-hmm. And so it, it'll just be interesting to see what that looks like coming up because you have kind of two sections. And there's one part of the party that says, I really like President Trump. I think he's a great president. I just think he's hurting us at the polls at this point. Right. And do we have to abandon him, even though it's I true. might like him personally? It's like he keeps, you know, he's in the news often for maybe not the the best of reasons. It's not something he said or the did. The shiniest reasons. Where, I mean, where I say, like, you know, when he's president, he did, I think we can all agree, he certainly did some good things, maybe yes, a lot of good of things. And, where he's of in the course. news for good things. Yes. But it seems like more recently he's been in the news for things that are not as positive because he's not president anymore. Right. Um, so it, it will be interesting to see what happens. Um We've talked about this. It, it, it's kind of a coin toss. If you look at kind of the betting markets and mm-hmm. um, the thing, whether DeSantis or, or Trump would win a Senate, assuming they both run. And this is where I can say that Trump does not have the same pool because four years ago, when, when Trump ran for re-election, not one person would consider primary name. That, that's kind of on the conservative side. Now multiple people are considering, even if he runs. Yes. So I think that, uh, yeah, I think you just gave us a pretty good rundown. So the, the I guess the long and short of it is inconclusive. And we'll see. But it's definitely an interesting discussion to debate. And I personally can't wait to see it. You know, I try to keep my nose out of national politics a lot. It's not really my cup of tea. I know you like it a lot more. I don't love it. Um, But I do love to see kind of like the social study aspects of it, of how people respond over time, what makes people tick, what what will make them switch sides from a Trump to a DeSantis. that's the kind of stuff that I'm looking forward to seeing as we get closer and closer to another presidential election year. But we also have to realize one more thing is that we don't know anything. We are guessing. All <laughs> yeah, we don't things. know anything. <laughs> but if you listen to anybody's normal opinion, 
you know, 2016, there's, you know, a, a nominee Rubio or Ted mm-hmm. Cruz or so nobody thought Trump was going to win there. No. And everyone assumed there's going to be President Hillary Clinton. It was not President Hillary Clinton. Right. Now, a lot of people thought there'd be a President Trump in 2020 and that didn't happen. So I do think all of these things are just kind of us taking all the information we have and guessing, but people decide things at the polls. And it'll be interesting though, because there is, we're talking not so much about elections, but about the current Republican Party. If a lot of the current members decide to back someone else, it, it will just be an interesting thing. And like I said, I don't even – my preference or whatever kind of, is not really relevant in terms of what I'm talking about here. I just like the horse race, kind of the sports ethic it. of seeing how things yes. you know, go. And it's like – and again, you just said Joe Biden. If you were to talk about him being a huge drag on, on the ballot three months ago and he wasn't. Right. You know? Right. And then in two years, you might be like, oh, he's going to be great. And like, and maybe he could be a huge drag. And maybe drag. he's not. <laughs> Politics, anytime we're talking that far ahead, it's almost impossible because things change on a weekly basis. But if you want to know what we're looking at leading into 2024, it's these dynamics because this is what's going to be interesting and this is what's going to be the most entertaining part of the game. Uh, Speaking of the game and an entertaining game, we did not get one Monday night. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Now, I'll be the first to tell you, I do not like Georgia. I think I've said it every single podcast we've had this fall. I do not care for them. I do not care for the Bulldogs. I think they're little pads they put on the defensive player with the spikes. I think they look silly. I do not care for Georgia. I wore my big purple furry jacket into both of the parties that I went to Monday night with pride. Even when my little horned frogs were not feeling so feisty anymore. They were not jumping. Mark, what happened? Okay, One, here are my two questions for you. What the heck happened? And two, should someone else have been in that spot? Yeah, um, all good questions. Um, the the first thing is Georgia was the better Clearly. team. It was clear. TCU played about about their worst game of the year. Georgia played their best game of the year. But I think no matter what, it's I mean it, it wasn't a close game, and there was one team that was clearly superior. And it's you know part of it is there's a there's a matchup thing, right? It's like because look, Michigan beat Ohio State by sure. three touchdowns. TCU sure. beat Michigan, and then. Georgia beat Ohio State by one and got lucky, and then TCU lost by like 60 to them. So, like, it, it was a bad match for them to begin with. I was hoping TCU win one. I didn't feel that confident. I thought that Georgia would win. I'm very surprised That's, at how was bad it was, to me. How bad it was. I was expecting at least, like, a good game. But, dude, by the third quarter, I was just chit-chatting about serial killers. Like, I was not paying a lick of attention to that game. and Neither were the Georgia fans around me. No, me, me and Kieran went to this like bar to watch the game. We're like, okay, there's about three minutes left in the half. It's We're gonna over. go. It, it's over. There's no reason to stay for the game. It was, it was an embarrassing game, and you know, TCU showed they're not quite on that national level yet. I mean, they did beat Michigan. They played great. Again, that was one of those games that Michigan was the better team. They just made some mistakes, and TCU had two pick sixes. Um, the second part of the question is, yes, TCU did deserve to be there. They had one loss the whole year. It was in the Big 12 championship game, barely. They beat a bunch of ranked teams. They beat a Michigan team who was supposed to be really good. They deserve to be there. They just didn't serve to win. And, and that's pretty clear. And, you know, they're not the second best team in the country. If I'm if I'm guessing, they're probably not even one of the top, I don't know, 10 teams in the country. But that's not important. It's what their resume was and what they put together. They deserve to be there. They beat Michigan. And they lost to Georgia. So, like, there's no question that they – I don't think anybody in the right mind would argue that somebody doesn't I don't know. Do I kind of wanted to see a Michigan-Georgia final. That's that's my take. I wanted I to see a Michigan-Georgia well, final. And Georgia could – Georgia could have won too. I mean, I mean, sorry, Michigan could have won. They probably would have lost, but it would have been a much closer game because yeah. they match up better. 
I wouldn't see that too, but the fact is it doesn't take away the fact TCU that TCU deserved to be there. I'm, I'm sad for Michigan that they That's right. didn't get a shot to play Georgia for the championship. That's they fair. did get a shot. Know, they they, they did, blew they it. They did blow it. I mean, the full game as a favorite against the team, and they kept their pick sixes, and every big play they didn't make, they didn't make. So, like, I don't want to hear That's about how they didn't get a shot. I, like, you, if you're talking about who Tulane or Alabama didn't get a shot, fine, but they had their chance in the regular season. So, like, it worked out the way okay. it should. Georgia – Deserve the national championship. Again, they were outplayed by Ohio State, but good teams find ways to win, and Georgia found a way to win even when they got outplayed. So they deserve to win. There's no question about that. Um, it's funny that the final rankings also, and that's the stuff, like because Ohio State loses by one to Georgia, TC loses by a million, um, but yet they did. They the final rankings had TCU at number two, and Ohio State wow. actually at number four. How about that? Because Michigan State did beat. The crap so out of Ohio State. That is so true. And then one more thought before we move on to our next topic is the way too early top 25 came out the night of the game. And Florida State, is it number yep. four or five? What's the deal with that? Explain that because mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't get oh, it. Okay. <laughs> it's a bad ranking. Well, yeah, it's a bad ranking. <laughs> that's what I was going to say, but I didn't want you to shake your head at me and call me an idiot again. I can't take that. My emotions can't handle that today. <laughs> Um, the ACC is a horrendous conference, and just because they finished strong, like everyone's so excited about them next year. But this is the same issue, and this is—I'll tell you the team that this happens every. It's Florida State, it's Miami, it's Florida. The teams that are not good, and they kind of have a little run again. Like, oh, they're a top ten team because of all the talent they have. They're not a top ten team. They'll finish eight and four next year. They're talking about Jordan Travis, the Heisman candidate. He is not a Heisman candidate. Um, it's just kind of a joke. Uh, but I do see that, like, which is interesting. I think that I saw Alabama at five, which is the ever. lowest they have started. In I guess they just don't have well, ever. Not ever but in the past. <laughs> We're like, going to show years. them. We're going to show them. We're not putting up with that. We'll see. But I mean, I think the talent is going to be down a little bit next year for Alabama compared to what it normally is. And then there's new teams, and you know, Michigan's bringing no, basically scary. everyone back. So, like, I saw. I think it was Georgia and Michigan one two. I, I I think Notre Dame's going to be really tough. They have like the best quarterback in the in the transfer portal went from Wake Forest to their name, so they have a, a yeah. quarterback now. And there's other teams that are bringing a lot of people back, teams like Utah who are top bringing people back, right? Ohio State just keeps reloading, and they have the best player in the country, Marvin Harrison. Um, and there's other teams. Like, the ones you get to watch out for is LSU is bringing all this talent back. They have a good nose at a coach, and they're going to be getting people. So LSU's yeah. a tough out. Um, and Georgia's just obviously going to be good forever, it seems like. It, it was funny watching. Uh, I don't know if you saw the the. Did you watch the game where like you know Nick Saban oh, yeah. was there talking about the game? And, and when David Pollock said, "Well, you know, Georgia is the one who's taken over college football," and you saw the look He's on his face, it. it was right. It was happy, but I mean, I think he, I think he's smart to understand that is the case, and you know, if anything, will motivate him. I don't think he no, probably but disagrees. I think it definitely will motivate him. Well, you know, I have to say, I have criticized Stetson Bennett all year. And I'm not stopping now. He yeah, got, <laughs> he got, um, I, I, di- I wasn't aware of this prior to the game, but he got a, he, you know, he's got that big curly hair and like very like, um, you watch the OC, very Seth Cohen, like the curly hair. Yeah, yeah, he got a fade yeah, yeah, yeah. before I think it was the LSU game and he was just absolutely going off. And before this game, mm-hmm. he got another fade. And so all night, all I was watching with a, I watched the first half of the game with the family that I'm super close to. They have three sons. 
and all three of the boys were like, it's the fade, it's the fade, because he scored two touchdowns, rushing touchdowns before I even left. So, you know, I don't necessarily believe in good mojo, but I do believe in good mojo, and I wear the same socks every time I want something good to happen. I should have worn those socks today. But every time I want something good to happen, I wear the same socks. So maybe for Stetson Bennett, it's the hair. I don't know. But if he makes a run in the NFL, he needs to keep those fades up because I don't know if he's got a shot in the NFL. But if he's got a fade, maybe he does. Well, and he played a, um, I mean, he, he played a, a perfect game. I thought it was near to perfect. As I said, and like, that's not, you know, he's clearly not as talented. At, although, you know, TCU's quarterback's not a talented guy. I mean, he's somebody who didn't start. He got benched. He didn't start the first game this year. He got, like, he never, like, he got benched. And then the starter got hurt. And then he came second to the Heisman. Um, but these guys are not like highly recruited talents. Stetson Bennett, I, I, you know, I don't necessarily, I think he's not, I don't hate him as much as you, but he, he's really arrogant. It seems like on the field, but you got to give the guy credit for what he did. I mean, he played a perfect game and he will not be an NFL starting quarterback. Um, he might get drafted like in the last round or be a free agent. Um, I don't think he ever plays in the NFL, but you never know. Like you, you had to give a guy credit. I saw, <laughs> I saw a picture of him holding national championship trophy and Tom Brady with a, with a ring and said, "Oh, both of these guys won at forty plus years so old." old. He, obviously, he's like twenty five. <laughs> he's really old. For, I know, but you got to give him credit. I, I don't think he'll make it in the NFL, but I, I, I he has improved so much from when I first saw him. You know, two years ago, that you got to give the guy credit. Worker. He's a good player. He's clearly good, a hard good for him. worker. And he's a hard, hard worker. Work can yep. cure anything. It can fix anything. It can definitely can, pay, can pay off. Okay, That's before right. we go, fun topic of the day, hot takes of the day. We're talking underrated and overrated television shows. This is going to be some of my hottest takes. Might get fired. I don't know. But, dude, I don't like Seinfeld. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Justin likes Seinfeld. <laughs> my boyfriend uh, yeah. likes Seinfeld. All of these people around me like Seinfeld. Dude, it ain't for me. I'm sorry. It ain't for me. I don't think it's funny. There. I said it. I'm with you. I, I tried. I tried. And I think here's the thing is I, I try to think about it from the time frame. It may have been funny at the time. Things have changed. Like it's crazy watching Friends up. His friend is like the least so funny, funny show ever. But it's it's not. It's not funny. Um but at the time, I can understand that. Like, I feel like there's so many shows that have done what they've done better. I think what Friends was good at, it was kind of the original one of that. And it was because of that, it was funny. There's some like ha-ha parts, but it's not a funny show. I think Seinfeld is along the same thing. I think they probably, I think I probably would have thought they were funny if I watched it at the time. I think looking back, I don't, I don't view it the same. It's just like my comfort show. I've watched it so many times. Yeah, it's it's not a bad show. It's just not that fun. Okay, so that's our overrated. We are unanimous on overrated show. Unless you have more, do you have more overrated shows? I feel like you're more of a hater. Well, I I think no, I'm not. Um, I have I have the one show that I don't get. There's two shows. Breaking Bad got so much credit. It is fine. I like it. I'm I'm not trying to say it's awful, but this is like. One of the best shows ever. It's fine. It's like, it's okay. It goes on too long. I'm just not that into it. And um, I think Game of Thrones is overrated. I don't quite understand why people love it so much. I'm not saying it's bad. See, that's the thing too. I'm not saying bad. I'm saying overrated where people are like, it's the greatest television show ever. I'm like, I just don't I see it. Game I don't say it. really is the greatest television show ever. But I can... There's a million characters and you can't keep track of any of them. You can if you if you obsess over it like <laughs> oh. I do. You know I hyperfixate though. This is like what I do is I hyperfixate yeah. on things. So I hyperfixate on Game of Thrones. Okay, so underrated television shows. Mark, I'm genuinely scared of what you're going to say, so I'm going to go first. I only for the very first time okay. ever watched Felicity a few months ago. A show from the early uh-huh. 2000s about a girl named Felicity who moves to New York. I don't really remember it being talked about that much when I was a young teenager. 
people definitely don't talk about it now the way they talk about other shows from when we were young teenagers, like One Tree Hill and Gossip Girl and The O.C. and stuff like that. People don't talk about Felicity like that. And I, Justice for Felicity, that show slaps. I freaking love that show and everyone should watch it. (laughs) That's my underrated pick. So I will say this. Felicity was so I watched maybe one or two episodes. I didn't. I don't really have any feelings either way, so I'm not going to disagree with you. I feel like Felicity was to a little bit of an older demographic That's though, fair. the One Tree Hill and stuff. So even I think that was kind of like early 30s, like maybe your age maybe now so. is why you like it. But like at the time, and it came out a little, but like that was kind of late to mid 90s. So that's not something that That's people true, like us would have like watched. The OC and like Gossip that, Girl and stuff like that, and, and One Tree yeah, Hill. That was those for our, were our high schoolers, and I started watching it when I was in middle school. That's right. So Felicity is about exactly. a college girl. And I'm watching it now as a 31-year-old. So, okay, that makes sense. That checks out. All right. I, I can see that. And it was on for a while. I never thought of it as a great show. But it, if I remember correctly, it was probably it was on for six seasons. or seven seasons, season right? Is that right? all of her years of college. Four seasons, so okay. So it started when she went to college, ended when she okay. went to college. Which, again, underrated value in a show. One Tree Hill went on way too long. And even though I love that show, it went on way too long. The OC went on way too long. There are shows that went, that went on longer than they should have. I think Felicity would have gone on way too long okay. if people wanted it to. Because um, like usually when shows get canceled is when they don't go on okay, too long. Whatever. But I, I, I okay, am not okay, arguing so with what that. What is your underrated television show? And please, Mark, don't embarrass me. This is actually – I think I have the best answer for this. I think it's the best underrated television show that there is in history. So people love Yellowstone. People keep talking about Yellowstone, right? That's a big thing everyone show. loves. So here's the thing. That is a carbon copy of a much better show that people don't talk about. There's a show called Longmire that was essentially done three or four years before it was on Netflix. It's it's and it is the it's the version of that, but it's so much better. It's in it's in Montana, the same thing. Now the guy is the police chief, so it's a, it's a little bit different, but it's essentially the same type of story except better. It's a better show, and it's funny because they're both on Peacock. I'm so you on Peacock, you can this. see. I live and breathe for Yellowstone. Th- so Yellowstone, here's a fun thing. Yellowstone, 75%. Longmire, 88%. So even people think Longmire's better, but it just didn't get the same. It's like it's the same thing with they have like the Native American tribe that it's kind of a, it's it's almost a carbon copy of it. It's like I guarantee whoever made Yellowstone saw Longmire and said, this is really good. I think I can make it more like, you know, commercial and popular. But Longmire's five seasons, I think, a great show. And one of my favorite shows, and like I watched, so I, I'm not caught up. I've watched about two seasons of Yellowstone. I like it fine, but it's a knockoff of Longmire. Longmire is a better version of Yellowstone, you and nobody knows about it. And it's a shame. Because I love Yellowstone. I was actually sent a Yellowstone trivia night thing that was happening at the same time as the national championship, so I didn't go, but I would have won that trivia night because I love Yellowstone so much. But now I'm going to go watch Longmire. It's on Peacock. Okay. I'm going to watch this. Yeah, and if you go, if you go to, it's actually on Netflix as well. It's one of the shows that's on both. But if you go to um, that, if you go to Yellowstone on Peacock, that you may also like, and the first one's Longmire. It's the same, and Longmire was first. And I just hate that nobody is giving it the credits due. I think it got like some like critical praise, like from from the critics and stuff. But then it it hasn't gotten the love for whatever reason. Yellowstone really broken, and it's gotten every culture. It seems like every person, every age. Longmire's first. So far, Longmire's better, and it's just it, it's kind of copying you, the good versions of it. And I like Yellowstone. It's my so mind, and I am going to watch this starting tonight. After the day we've had, I'm tucking myself good. into bed with a couple pieces of string cheese, and I'm going to watch Longmire and a glass of wine. I'm going to watch Longmire tonight. I, I would literally bet a thousand dollars. Oh, I know I'm going to love it. 
I'm I'm that confident. So I know I'm gonna love it. I love Western shows like that. And it's like, and it's and it's the same thing. I like the Western shows that are based in today, which this is, and it's kind of the old. And I I always love the you know the issues because there's the Indian tribes and there's the border and it's like you know they have different rules over there. Not yep, and it's and that's exactly what it is. Before this show, I, I swear. So Taylor Sheridan, I think, is the guy who did it. If he didn't base it off Longmire, okay, I'd well, be shocked. I'm gonna watch it, and I'm gonna make a. You know me, I hyperfixate. Obviously, I'm gonna make a comparison of yep. Longmire and Yellowstone. I'm gonna make a list. Okay. I bet you like Longmire better. Okay. I really bet right, you like Longmire better. Well, that is all for us today. Don't forget to check out our website for that new CON report. Tell us what you think about that. Tell us if you have any experiences with. Um, not being able to access healthcare in your area. We would love to talk to you about it and see if there's anything that we can do to help on our end. Um, and with that, this is Decaf, a production of the Beacon Center, Tennessee. Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. We will see you next week.